seated. Welcome to those who are joining us in the Fellowship Hall and online today. If you'd like to use a Bible during the service today, the ushers will bring them down the aisles. Just let them know you'd like to use one, and you can return it at the back of the space after the service today. Last week in Luke 4, we heard Jesus read a prophecy from the book of Isaiah about what God would send his Messiah to do. And then we heard Jesus claim that he came to fulfill that mission. And yet, when we hear those words today, I think it might be easy for us to think, yeah, I don't really know if this applies to me. Jesus came to bring good news to the poor. Well, what if you don't feel particularly poor? Jesus came to bring freedom for the prisoners. But if you're here today, you're obviously not in jail, right? Recovery of sight for the blind. Well, some of you might relate to that, but probably not many of you. Freedom for the oppressed. I think many of us would be hard-pressed to figure out something we could call oppression in our lives. I'm starting to feel kind of spoiled here. How about you? Proclaiming the Lord's favor. Now, that's nice. Who doesn't like to have favor, right? But does that really hit your deepest need? Believe me, I understand why those words of Jesus' mission might fall a little flat for you. But the fact is, words don't really land for us until we see them translated into action. We need to see what Jesus' mission looks like in the lives of real people to start to get what this really means, to see what this good news really is, and to start to get what Jesus came to be for you and for me. And these verses we're covering today, we get to see Jesus getting to work at doing just that, putting this mission into context. But before we can really take in this good news for ourselves, there's a few things we have to realize. First, we need to realize that we all have wounds. The famous preacher Billy Graham once said, preach to the wounded and you will never lack for an audience. Because the truth is, to live in this broken world is to get wounded, right? Because broken things cause wounds. And sometimes we are the broken things that cause wounds in others, and sometimes they are the broken things that cause wounds in us. And my wounds probably don't look like yours, but we all have them if we're alive. And there are all kinds of human wounds, physical wounds, emotional, mental, spiritual, social and in these texts from Luke 4 and 5 today, we see Jesus enters into each wound in a different way. The gospel writer Luke presents his gospel starting with Jesus' temptation, his mission, his hometown rejecting him, and then these stories of Jesus one at a time addressing these wounds. And I think what Luke is doing here is he's building a case for us to trust Jesus He's showing us why we should dare trust Jesus with our wounds by showing us that Jesus has the power to change things in our lives and that he has the heart to do it. Because if you have a need, you're not going to waste your time talking to someone who doesn't have the power to change anything, unless you're just venting. And you're really not going to waste your time talking to someone who you know won't care. Nobody wants to set themselves up for that, to get rejected or to dismissed or even worse, pitied. Our wounds trigger self-protection, hiding, 
And if self-protection cuts us off from each other and from God, we obviously need someone to find us. And this mission statement of Jesus, Jesus shows us that he came to take on our wounds and to bring us back in wholeness into the favor of God. But what's it going to take to trust Jesus with our wounds? We have to know that we don't have to beg for an audience with him. That we are the reason he came. You see, in Jesus, God has made the first move toward you. And he came not expecting that you heal your own wounds first. Jesus came expecting to find in us sinners in need of a Savior, the wounded in need of healing, the oppressed in need of freeing. That the good news is the kingdom of God has come near to you. But to learn to trust Jesus, we have to watch him in action a while to get to know not only his power, but also his heart. So this morning, we're going to read through several stories from Luke 4 and 5 and see the different kind of wounds Jesus encounters and what he does about them to learn what Jesus came to do for us. So we're going to start with Luke 4, 33 through 37, a story where Jesus is teaching in the synagogue and he gets interrupted. In verse 33, it starts, In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit, he cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words are these? With authority and power he gives orders to impure spirits. And they come out. Jesus said he came to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and set the oppressed free. So how did this man end up oppressed and imprisoned by evil? Well, at some point, this man must have opened the door to be led not by God into loving God and neighbor, but by a power that sought, as Jesus identified the devil's work in John 10, to steal, kill, and destroy because the things coming out of this man's mouth were not directed by him, but by the influence of evil that had a hold of his life. And in this particular case, this man was full-on possessed by a demon. Now, I don't claim to have the spiritual gift of being able to discern such things, but in my opinion, I think that that's fairly rare among us nowadays, that the evil one chooses to work that blatantly. There are far more subtle ways to sabotage our souls and tear us from God and one another. But this man in the scripture was very obviously oppressed, imprisoned by something that is not him, an evil that's taken root in his life, maybe through bitterness or anger or a hurt that kept him from seeking God's presence and evil rushed in to fill the void. But when Jesus sees him, Jesus immediately sees the problem. He sees that this man taunting him is not the enemy. This man is the prize, the treasure worth fighting for. And what does Jesus do? He rebukes the wounder. He commands the evil spirit, be quiet, come out of him. Jesus has authority to claim this man's life as territory of the living God and evict the trespasser. And in doing that, he sets this man free to be who he truly is again. Now, what does that story teach us about Jesus? 
Does Jesus look at this man and say, wow, I guess he made a bad choice, too bad, and walk away? No. He sees in this man that he has been wounded in a, such a way that he invited into his life things that lead to death instead of life. And what he needs is not judgment, but help, intervention. Jesus takes action to rebuke what's not meant to be in our lives to free us instead for what is. Because of the love of God, he cares enough to wade into that battle for us. Now, as I said, I think full-on possession is pretty rarely seen these days, but I do believe the powers of evil are regularly hard at work harassing us and that we can fall prey to those influences that seek to steal and kill and destroy. But, beloved of God, you do not belong to them. They do not have power over what Jesus died and rose to redeem, and that's you. Jesus came to break those kinds of chains. Have you been listening to the lying voices of the enemy of your soul? It's time to invite Jesus in to rebuke those voices and replace them with his own. Because Jesus has the authority to claim you as the territory of the living God and post a no trespassing sign on your heart by his Holy Spirit who takes up residence in your life instead. And if you feel you need help giving something over to the power of Jesus in your life, ask a Christian friend or a pastor to pray with you, to stand with you, to ask Jesus to set you free from whatever's been imprisoning you. Invite the Holy Spirit to fill you with his power instead because Jesus came to take back the hearts that have been invaded and set the prisoners free to live in the light of his peace and love instead. Jesus has the power and the will to do this. In this story, we see one heart set free begins healing because Jesus came to bring freedom for the prisoners. Let's keep reading in Luke 4, 38 through 39. Jesus then left the synagogue and went into the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. Now here we have that word rebuke again. This is a little different context. Jesus is telling the sickness to cut it out. Stop bothering her. And this is a sign to us that sickness and brokenness and death are part of this broken world, but they are not part of God's intention for us. That in heaven, there won't be any sickness or death. So we see here, wherever Jesus is, that healing kingdom breaks in all around him. It's a hopeful sign for our future life with him. And that word spreads in verse 40. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Now this is exciting, right? People are getting healed. People are getting freed. Who is this Jesus? This is heady stuff. But the thrill of this could very easily take over. That's what draws the crowds. But if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we saw Jesus tempted by the devil. And the devil showed that every time Jesus used this kingdom power, he was going to face the human temptation to want to build an earthly kingdom for himself instead. But Jesus came to serve God's kingdom. And that kingdom would only ultimately be done not by power but sacrifice by the cross. So how did Jesus keep grounded in his mission through this, all this heady stuff? 
Well, in Luke 4, 42, we have a clue to that. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. Jesus went off alone with God. The people were looking for him, and when they came to him where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them, but he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So to stay true to his calling, Jesus had to stay connected in prayer to the heart of God his Father. And if Jesus did, how much more do we? You see, in Jesus' life, there were plenty of people there to tell Jesus what they thought he should be doing. And in your life, too, there are always going to be plenty of people telling you what they think you should do, too. But God alone knows the plans that he has for you. It takes being in prayer, being connected with him to know your purpose. And I think some of you out there today might need this story to help you find the permission to say no to some things. Because if you look at this story, you don't have to say yes to everyone. Jesus didn't. It's so easy to get wounded, feeling like a failure when you can't be all things to all people. But even Jesus didn't try to do that. Jesus knew what he needed to do was to be faithful to the calling God had given him. And saying yes to that purpose would mean saying no to others. This passage is showing us that we need to spend time with God and his word. To ask God, what is the purpose he has for you in this season of your life? Ask others to pray about it with you and then go after it with all you've got. But to say yes to that purpose, don't be afraid to say no to others. See, sometimes our wounds can be internal ones, ones that come out of our own self-pressures. But Jesus is the answer for healing even in that. Let him show you your purpose every day and let go of the rest. Because Jesus came to bring freedom for the oppressed. Now freshly renewed in his calling after his time of prayer, Jesus starts teaching about God's kingdom coming near to those people on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and things start getting crowded. So he sees a boat there, and he climbs into it, and he asks Simon Peter, who owns it, to push out from the shore a little bit, make a little nice preaching platform on the shore, and Peter does. Jesus has just healed his mother-in-law after all. But Peter's probably not too happy about doing it because he has been up all night fishing and he hasn't caught anything. He's probably pretty grumpy. And when Jesus is done preaching, he asks Simon to put out his nets again in the water. And Simon answers, if you say so. Again, not very enthusiastic. But then suddenly those nets that had been empty all night are overflowing with fish. And Peter's response is to fall on his knees in front of Jesus and say, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Now, that might seem like a strange response to us, but it points to a wound, doesn't it? Because what is Peter really saying? He's saying, I'm not worth it. I'm not worthy of being in the presence of someone like you. What are you doing here with someone like me? And Jesus answers him, giving you a new job. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. See, Jesus sees this wound, this unworthy feeling in Peter, and Jesus answers it. I see the sinful man you are, but I also see what you will be 
what you are with me. And that, Peter, is who you really are. See, Jesus calls us into seeing ourselves the way that he sees us. All that we can be, not by our own power, smarts, experience, expertise, but what we can be just by being with him. You see, Peter was from a fishing family. He knew what he was doing, and he still ended up empty. But at Jesus' word, those same nets were filled. Jesus is enough. And with him, whatever it is that you bring to him, it's going to be enough for him to use to bless the world through you. Do you have that kind of wound? Do you ever feel like the Lord can't really use you, your past, your skills, your abilities, aren't enough to be a blessing to anyone? Well, when Jesus looks at you, he doesn't see what you see. He sees what is and what will be in his presence. Will you let him heal that wound by showing you what he sees? The kingdom of God has come near to you. Let your blind eyes be opened to see. Well, Peter, James, and John dared to take Jesus at his word, and so now with them in tow, Jesus moves on in his mission. In Luke 5, 12, while Jesus was one in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and he begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Now, leprosy was a terrible disease, not only because of the physical suffering, but because of the emotional and social suffering. It was so infectious, you couldn't really stay in relationship with people around you without exposing them to the disease. And if you loved them, you don't want that for them. So nothing was more isolating and painful than leprosy. And yet this leper, seeing Jesus, obviously believes in Jesus' power. I believe you can make me clean, he says, if you're willing. I believe you're the Messiah of God's power, but what I'm not sure about is, will you choose to be Messiah for me? That's a pretty vulnerable question. And Jesus answers it by immediately reaching out his hand and touching this leper, connecting himself with this man's pain. He bridged the isolation and joined with him in his suffering, and then he spoke the words to him, I am willing. Be clean. That's what Jesus came to do, to connect himself with us so he could reconnect us to God, to be the bridge. But can you relate to that wound of this leper? We can often say, I believe Jesus is Lord. I believe he can do anything. And yet, in ways we're often unwilling to admit, it's harder sometimes for us to believe he really loves us. Do you believe Jesus is willing? That he wants to meet you right where you are, to reach out and touch you, to bridge your isolation with his presence, with his love for you? That he came not just to be powerful Messiah, but to be your Savior? That might not be leprosy that keeps you isolated from God and others, but is there something that does? Will you take a cue from a leper 
and dare confess both your faith and your doubt to Jesus. Because he came so that your wound cannot become an excuse for isolation, but the setting of his personal meeting with you to reconnect you back to himself and to his people. Because when we know that we're loved by God, it becomes much easier to trust the love of the people around you too. See, sometimes our wounds are social ones. Sometimes our wounds are wounds of guilt. In Luke 5, 17, some men end up lowering a paralyzed friend of theirs through the roof of a house to get to Jesus. They're very good friends. Friends who trust the power and the heart of Jesus. They trust it to make such a difference that they think it's worth ruining their neighbor's roof to make it possible. But for this paralyzed man whose need for healing is obvious to everyone in the room, when he is lowered in front of Jesus, what Jesus sees is not what the room sees. Jesus immediately sees what this paralyzed man needs most is not healing of the atrophy of his body, but the healing of something that's happened in his heart. That this man is tortured by some kind of guilt, some need for forgiveness. Now we can only guess at this man's story. Maybe he was the cause of this accident that paralyzed him. Maybe it resulted in the death of someone that he loved. But no matter what's the source of this guilt, this need for forgiveness, Jesus immediately saw this man would not be able to receive a physical healing from Jesus until he knew that his sin had been seen and acknowledged for the depth of what it actually is and fully forgiven. Only then could he dare believe that he could have a new kind of life. You see, sometimes our truest wounds are not actually what they look like on the surface, but Jesus knows them. I wonder if this man had been able to walk, if shame and guilt would have kept him away from Jesus. But thankfully, he had persistent friends who loved him too much to leave him without hope. And sometimes we too need friends who are going to help us come to Jesus to address wounds that we don't even understand ourselves. Is there someone that you can pray into the presence of Jesus this week, knowing that he's the healer of wounds we don't even yet understand? He came to proclaim to us the amazing grace, the gift of God's undeserved favor in him. The last story we're going to look at today is in Luke 5.27. Tax collectors were considered traitors because they worked in collecting taxes for the Roman occupation force. Nobody wanted to be around them. But look what Jesus does. Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. And then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now that's just Jesus being Jesus. Because if your mission is to preach good news to the poor, you have to go where the poor are. And if your mission is to free the oppressed and the prisoner, you have to go into the places where the oppressed are imprisoned and get them out of there. And if you're going to open the eyes of the blind, you have to find them 
because they're not going to find you. And if you're going to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, you have to find those who don't believe God could ever give them His favor. And that's why Jesus came into this broken world, because we all need that kind of rescue. Because we are all the walking wounded. Jesus has proven by the cross that He's willing to do whatever it takes to stand in solidarity with our woundedness. And he's proved by his resurrection that he is powerful enough to change that brokenness into a new beginning. See, in Jesus, the kingdom of God has come to you. Will you open your heart and receive it? See, Levi and the leper, Peter and the paralyzed, the demon-possessed and the disciples all need the power and the passion of Jesus to lead us back into the life we were meant to know in his grace. It's all by his power It's all by his heart. And today he's come for you. So bring your wounds to him today. His grace is sufficient for you. And let him invite you into the purpose for which you've been created to join him in that healing mission for this world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you in your power and in your love came to this world to be our rescue. Lord, we pray that today you would show us that we can trust you with our wounds. And we pray, Lord, that you would enter into them, that you would do what you do in us, that you would lead us into your love, into your purpose, into our callings. Lord, we thank you that you can be trusted with all of these things in our hearts and our minds. And we pray that you would continue to teach us what it means to be your people and to be your disciples in this world. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.